0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. My name is Sabina Brennan, and you are listening to Super Brain the podcast for everyone with a brain. What if stress, anxiety, depression, autism, neurodiversity, drug dependence, brain fog and IBS got in common? Well, they are all influenced by your gut, more specifically the bacteria in your gut, which in turn is influenced by the food that you eat. My guest today, Professor John Cryan, has spent decades researching the neurobiological basis of stress-related neuropsychiatric disorders, including depression, anxiety and drug dependence, with a key focus on understanding the interaction between brain, gut and the microbiome and how it applies to stress and immune related disorders. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a, a guest on Superbrain and boy you have a Superbrain after that list of uh, achievements and accolades and all the thing you've, things that you've done. You are a classic example of somebody who really maximizes their their brain function. I'm Fascinated by your work, I don't often have a scientist uh, on the show because I like to kind of just chat with people from you know a broad variety um, of of life and spheres spheres about surviving and thriving in life. But your work really caught my attention um, as someone who's fascinated by the human brain because you extend it, you know, to the gut, um, and you you're fascinated by the the gut the brain, the microbiome, and how it actually impacts on our behavior, on our mental health, on our well-being, and beyond. So, I I mean, first of all, I really kind of first came across the microbiome when I read your book, um, Uh, So perhaps you might kind of just start by explaining what it is.
1: Sure. Um, And thank you, Sabina, for having me on. Um, No, uh, the microbiome is basically um, a catch-all phrase for for the trillions of microbes. Predominantly, we, we focus on bacteria that we have in our gut. And... Like over the last two decades or so, people have began to really understand that these bacteria can actually play a big role in um, helping our immune system develop and playing a role in shaping various uh, organs and and systems within the body and then um, also including the brain. And so that was kind of, how I, 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 I'm a stress neurobiologist. And so I still see myself as interested in how stress is affecting the brain, but also how stress affects the body. And I'm mainly really talking about chronic stress or, or, or traumatic type stresses. And we showed um, um, many years ago that when in animals, that when they were stressed early in life, that one of the things that, that, that happened to them was that it changed the composition of these microbes in their gut. And that was kind of okay, you know. That was interesting. It could be an epiphenomenon. It could be other things, um, but we were so. What's, interested. An,
0: what's an epiphenomenon?
1: So it could be just due, an artifact. It could be due to okay. something else happening. Could you know? It it may not you know like it, there, there could be other things uh, that that are at play. And then we found a study that had been published, um, in, you know, not in a big glamorous journal, but in a in a in, 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 in a in a society journal uh, some years before, which showed that mice that grow up without microbes in their gut, that they have an elevated stress response. Oh, Okay? So, so, so that was telling us that stress was being regulated by the microbes and our newer data was then showing that microbes respond to stress. And then the next part of the puzzle was, could we target these microbes, or, or by giving, uh, again, and starting off in in, 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 in um, animal models, could we give a specific strain of bacteria and show that it, it uh, affected the stress response? And indeed it could. And so that kind of was the journey. That was kind of the starting point for me in okay. getting excited about these microbes. And then what we did was we looked at the brains of these animals that grow up without microbes and they are completely messed up. And so okay. it, basically it meant that for brain development, uh, you need appropriate microbes uh, in your gut. So, so now, I, you know, we always had, a, you know, going back to Hippocrates, we, we always knew that, 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 that they, the, the gut was in, in, involved in uh, brain processes. But, but now we have a kind of a new mechanism uh, for understanding these gut feelings and gut instincts that they may actually be driven by what's actually going on in the gut. And the next part of the puzzle for us then was how, how could microbes in the gut signal to the brain? And we did some studies again, starting off in animal studies, where we were very interested in what's known as the vagus nerve. Now, vagus comes from the same uh, origins in language as um, vagrant and vagabond uh, it means wandering so this is a long wandering nerve that um, you know signals from our organs to our brain and from our brain to our organs um, it's the nerve that gets recruited uh, when any of your listeners do mindfulness it's recruiting the the, the the vagus nerve to help us feel how we feel and so we showed in our animal studies when we cut the vagus nerve all of the effects of a specific bacteria were gone and so this is as i like to remind people that what happens in vegas doesn't just stay in vegas (laughs) but but actually affects our emotions but this was one of the key pathways and that got us really excited well over a decade ago now uh, into really thinking that we're really onto something and trying to understand um gut brain communications in a new way Uh, and that's why we wrote the book which was what was called the psychobiotic revolution my colleague ted dinan who was chair of psychiatry here in cork and and myself wanted to really get it out there that there's really something in this and this is really important to how we do things
0: and i was so glad you did get it out there because it is super important because you know as you said you really are a stress neurobiologist and stress is related to you know almost all of are you know acquired illnesses for want of a better word are lifestyle related illnesses and and for any sort of uh you know any any chronic illness stress plays a role you know brain fog is something um you know that 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 I work on, so too is dementia, so too is cognitive impairment or any kind of that. And stress plays a critical role in it. migraine, neurological conditions, stress Mm. plays plays a a role in everything. So it's critical to understand it and to understand it in a way that we can do something about it in terms of uh, maybe what we can do uh, in terms of what we eat. I just want to backtrack a little bit. How can a mouse have no... No microbiome?
1: Ah, it's a great question. So, so um, we have a facility here in Cork called a germ-free facility. And basically, these are mice that are, that are delivered. So, so I'll, I'll even back up for you. We get our microbes um, as a kind of a birthday present from our mother on the day we're born. And so as we emerge through the birth canal, the mum's microbes are passed on to the infant. So it's at
0: birth. So at, it's, not, it's not, so the infant is completely sterile. In, complete, in, in neutral.
1: My in neutral, for the most part, that's where the, the dogma is right now. There have been some reports, but it's very difficult because we're dealing with very low levels of, 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 of um, mass and it's hard to de- de- detect what, what is contamination versus what is real. So most people, I would say the vast majority of the community would uh, say that that we get our microbes on the day we're born as we emerge through the birth canal. Okay. and so and so so what 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 um uh and, and these these bacteria play a key role and in, in informing uh uh various aspects of of, of immunology uh, especially in early life and so it takes about four or five years before it starts to to, to assemble completely and is influenced by a variety of factors. And we can come back to that later. What are these kind of factors in early life that that can influence this? Um, So um, in in our mouse models, we we can actually keep a person completely sterile in a germ-free facility so they don't get exposed to any bacteria at all. They're delivered by uh, cesarean section and and then they're they're just complete completely sterile and so that that we can do there's no real human translation with maybe the exception being the boy in the bubble that Paul Simon sang about in the 1980s, yeah. you know. And like, what about like,
0: what about a baby that is delivered by cesarean?
1: Oh, yeah. So a baby that's been delivered by, ces- by cesarean, and we've, and we've worked on this, is that they, ha- they start to accumulate the, the microbes from the skin and from the hospital environment okay. uh, early on. And they have a very different... Yeah, so not bor- um,
0: born into a sterile, but it, it's, uh, it's bacteria from the environment as opposed to from the
1: mother. Mother, you know, and so evolution has 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 allowed that the mom's microbes change over pregnancy to be handed over as kind of, you know, to, and so it's like a, a relay race. And in, in, and what happens in C-section is the baton gets dropped. So this is yeah. one of li- life's relay races. And we, we showed in a study that we just published this year that when we stratified Um, I was going to say normal, but Cork medical students based on their based (laughs) on their, based on their mode of delivery. So we took a group of those born by C-section and those born by uh, uh, normal vaginal delivery. And most people know uh, which yeah. method there were, there were. And, um, and then we brought them into the lab, and we had very good ethical ways of stressing people in the lab uh, by making them do a public um, um, speech yeah. uh, and some tricky um, mathematical tests that they're not aware of, and you can get a really good stress response. And those that were born by C-section, they actually had uh, an elevated immune and psychological response to this acute stressor. Right. And that was kind of, that was kind of nice. But an acute stress is important. But I was also interested in well, what about chronic stress? Because that's yeah, more Yeah, interest- their vulnerability
0: to well, chronic, see, stress. chronic
1: stress. Yeah, because so, you could
0: argue that a heightened acute stress response is actually adaptable.
1: Well, it could be. It could you be. Know, so,
0: whereas it's yeah. the, the chronic stress response can be maladaptive. Or, and, well, and I that, suppose the other can be, you know, if it's if it's an inappropriate acute response, it's maladaptive. And,
1: that, and that's <laughs> kind of what we wanted to get at. And so we then were thinking about how do we do this in an ethical fashion, you know, and so that's what's good about being an educator in that we subject our students to exams all the time. And so we can measure how the students respond over the examination period. And we found that those born by C-section had again an elevated immune and psychological um, uh, response to this chronic stressful wow. experience and and that was that was kind of cool because you know it was the cohen's perceived stress scale and the, the, the effects were, were were quite significant now it's all relative you know like you know uh i you know c-section is a life-saving surgical intervention yes. and and yes. you know we don't want to be anyways blaming moms or anyone feeling guilty uh, about it yes. but it's just but yes. it's just it's just that it's important and then in, in our animal studies we've done more work where we've looked at this and if we put microbes back into the animals that were born by c-section we could actually recover that they the enduring effects so they don't develop these long-term changes in their stressful sponsor and in, in brain and whatever else so one of the things we're working on now is thinking of you know could we come up with solutions that could be offered to mums that have to have c-sections for whatever practical or, or medical reasons yeah could we we develop strategies of of getting bacteria back in there early on and so there's a lot Um, of activity in that
0: so obviously there's a healthy microbiome and a not so healthy microbiome um uh, which we can talk about a bit more but i'm thinking about a mom so you're talking comparing you know those born by c-section and those born uh uh, naturally through the vaginal canal um but does it Does it matter? And uh, well, there's no way, I suppose, of testing that in hindsight. But uh, assuming, though, some some mothers will have more healthy.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, so so the studies again largely out of animal models, where they've looked at the impact of stress on the moms, so stress during pregnancy on the moms' bacteria, and showing that that could pass on maybe not the best microbes. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, and so so there may be times where you, a C-section might be the best option. Yeah. Uh, Like perhaps in gestational diabetes or other areas like that so so the, the jury's out but it is it is interesting that you know something that can happen way back at birth can help program uh, the systems in the body to be more sensitive uh, la- 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 later on uh, oh absolutely
0: overall. i mean this is fascinating i'll never get on to half the stuff i want to talk about so we often hear that the gut is the second brain so why is that like why does it get that that name as the second yeah
1: because because you know people don't realize that we have a whole nervous system called the enteric nervous system within our gut and this enteric nervous system there's more neurons in it than there is in neurons of the nerve cells so there's more nerve cells than there is in the spinal cord and it's able to do lots of things and keeps our not only keeps our digestive function happy but it also it communicates back with the vagus nerve and up to the brain so you know and it's startling that you know what we're beginning to realize is that some of the symptoms of certain diseases the first signs can happen in the gut like often Parkinson's disease, for example. Some of the first signs of that come from the second brain in terms of constipation uh, okay. emerging up front. And now there's a growing literature showing that it may actually begin in the gut and, and some of these misfolded proteins travel up to the brain from the gut. And so the gut is, 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 is way more sophisticated than people have given it uh, um, credit, for. Uh, credit for it all. And then we're interested also in, in, in disorders like irritable bowel syndrome yeah uh ibs it's it's a very unloved disorder uh you you study other unloved disorders uh sabina but this is another one um but very common and much more common so what's the
0: difference uh, because talk about that because i think sometimes people so there's irritable bowel syndrome and then there's irritable bowel disease and they are two.
1: Inflammatory, two, inflammatory inflammatory bowel,
0: bowel, bowel disease. disease they're they're, they're yeah. two different things
1: very different. i think
0: a, i i certainly would have had ibs which is yeah. irritable, I, bowel irritable bowel
1: syndrome. syndrome
0: but inflammatory bowel disease is is a different, different. thing and it's a whole yeah. ne- next level sort of yeah
1: it, it, well they're, they're just different in terms of inflammatory bowel disease is an inflammation uh it's crohn's disease or colitis yeah. are, are are the two major types uh irritable bowel syndrome it's very difficult to find a there's no lesion there's no you can it's a disease by exclusion like many of these unloved diseases Uh, but it's definitely now appreciated to be a disorder of the gut brain axis so it's it's basically how our gut and our brain talk to each other when that goes out of sync people can get irritable bowel syndrome and that's really really important for people to realize that it's not all in their brain are all in their guts it is actually how these this communication goes and that's why things like stress can cause flare-ups and people can get very sensitive and get very bloated or have real changes in their uh, um, bowel patterns. And it can be lo- incredibly pain. painful. Pain, incredibly like pain painful. Is, is yeah. really, really, and, and 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 that's something we're also interested in uh, studying because you know pe- people need to understand that that this is a bio- There's a biological basis to this, and we've been interested in the microbiome in shaping uh, this and 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 uh, and understanding that the signals need to be kind of rewired back up between the gut and the brain uh to to, to get that working
0: i think it's uh, it's fascinating i one other medical professional who i who i spoke to who i'm fascinated by by uh, she's she's irish but based in in london i don't know if you're familiar with her but dr susan o'sullivan she's written oh yeah of course yeah, 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 yeah. and we've chatted on this podcast as well about the hierarchy within medicine about you know a biological source and a psychological source you know uh, and how somehow a psychological source is lesser or you know and uh, you know that oh it's all in your head you're ima- you know and the patient goes away with you're imagining things but my argument is you know pain of any kind is all in your head symptoms of any kind are all in your head because they stem from the brain and in order yeah. to experience pain there has to be a cognitive aspect. You have that's to, true. you know, cognitively appreciate pain. And that's actually why things like, well, so for some people, mindfulness. But I always say to people, you know, one way to deal with, with pain, whether it's chronic or I have migraine, one of the ways people say to me, how, how do you do all you do when you have chronic daily migraine? And I say, well, I love what I do, so I can lose myself in that. And they say, well, how do you do that? You know, how does that work? Well, it means my focus is on my work, not the pain. It doesn't mean that the pain, but I'm not cognitively paying attention yeah, yeah, yeah. to the pain. And, and that's the thing. You have pain signals, but you also have to have a cognitive perception of that pain to experience it. And in the, in that is the power of the brain.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And what we're finding is, is, is that the gut-brain axis can actually help regulate both the cognitive control, the top-down parts of it, but also the bottom up signals that are driving the pain in the first place. So 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 you know I I I I think the brain gut access is really powerful in our bodies and helps us really feel how we feel and we have to keep it look after it. So uh, do you think
0: so the bottom-up part, so you said, right, so there's the brain part of it, and, and you know, that's maybe perceptions of stress, the psychological mm. perception of stress, whether there is something to be stressed about or not, or whether it's a real stress. So the bottom-up part of that is, is that our microbiome? Is that our yeah. diet? Is that our psycho, is that, you know, where yeah. the psychobiotics
1: come in? Okay, so, so um, let's, let's go back a little bit because it, yeah. it, it, the microbiome, it, it's definitely our, our, our gut talking to our brain and then our microbiome is really regulating what's going on in the gut. And, and the important thing to think about our microbiome is, I like to remind people, it's like a little factory. It produces all, it's all and we get obsessed about the, the bacteria that are there, but it, it's actually not as much about the bacteria that are there, but what they're doing. And what they do is produce lots of chemicals that our bodies couldn't produce otherwise. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about early life and like uh, the one of the most uh, fascinating things for me w- was when I found out that um, human breast milk, it has the most complex of sugars than any other form of, of milk made by mammals, about 20 times more complex than, than, than cow's um, uh, milk. And these sugars are not even broken down. The infant has no capacity to break them down. And so you're like, why would evolution give us this really complex material and we can't break it down? But it's broken down by the bacteria. Okay. And what it's broken down to by the bacteria is key chemicals, including one called sialic acid, which is really important for brain development. So people are now studying infants in, in parts of Malawi and sub-Saharan Africa, where they've got stunted growth and stunted development and shown that it's actually due to the lack of the bacteria and the gut to break down the sugars that come from the mums and breast milk. And so that allows for some aspects of that. And it's also taught why breastfed infants maybe a little bit more, have higher IQ you, uh, in a population-wide approach. so I wasn't breastfed. No, but to no one was. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like... My, uh, my, you know, no and one I of, didn't no,
0: breastfeed my kids. The kids. No, no, but
1: but that's not that's not the, you know what I mean. No, like, I know the, it's uh, in a population,
0: population level, and there's so uh, much, There's so many other factors come into play as oh, well. You know, absolutely, that's absolutely. one of the tiny piece, and then it's interaction with kids interaction. And all the rest. But it's but, fascinating. So but it's
1: often. fascinating that evolution has given us these microbes, and what they're doing is breaking down. So if you go, if I go back to my factory analogy, so factories work uh, due to Two main things that they're really important for factories. One is the uh, quality of the workers. That's the microbes, or and then the raw materials that come into the factory that the workers can work on. And the raw materials for your microbiome come from the diet, and so that's where the diet is really important. Uh, and so there are certain diets, like fibres in particular, and uh, that are. We can't uh, break them down, but the microbes can. So microbes, what they do is ferment fibers uh, often to produce other chemicals like uh, one that we've done a lot of work on are called short chain fatty acids. They're a type of fatty acids that are really important They're the energy for the gut cells in our, that line our gut, these enterocytes. They use these short-chain fatty acids as as energy. Um, And more recently, uh, groups have shown, including our own group, that they're really important for not only the gut barrier function, which is really important in in terms of maintaining uh, normal immune function, but also the blood-brain barrier uh, that, you know, having these chemicals, if you Change the levels of the chemicals, you can change uh, how our blood brain barrier works. And 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 the blood
0: brain barrier is really important because the brain is very vulnerable to toxins. And this blood brain barrier acts like a border that only lets very important and very particular sized. You know molecules yeah. through and yeah. it blocks anything that could be dangerous to to your brain so if the integrity of that blood-brain barrier is damaged in any way your brain is at risk it's, so it's it, very it's, important it's, that it's kept healthy
1: and it's really the fortress uh, aspect and and so the discovery that they that chemicals broken down from from by microbes from what you eat could influence that then just really and and we know this also all the way into old age and especially in alzheimer's disease and and aging we see that 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 things start to go wrong the fortress starts to crumble uh, and we need to look at ways to to keep it but diet is the real key factor in all aspects of gut brain signaling because it it regulates what these microbes are doing
0: Um and Um, I'm going to get before we go I do want to talk about you know a healthy gut diet but I'm also interested in I'm sure our listeners are so um, you say I mean as I recall from reading the book you know not actually let's backtrack as well we keep seem to, to backtrack I love in the book how you kind of describe and you explain how we have this it's a sort of a symbiosis and 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 you talk about us uh, humans as a sort of a hybrid. Yeah. Do you kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah. It's kind of creepy. I know when I read it, it kind of made me feel a bit creepy, but it's kind of fascinating
1: too. Well, it it, it all goes back. I I, I always like to put things in uh, an evolutionary context. Yes, I do too. That's
0: the the way I feel about human behavior or anything (laughs) that happens. You just said it about the milk. Mm. My feeling is I don't believe there's anything such as a bad behavior. You know, often people Mm. label things as a bad behavior or, you know, a good behavior. For me, behaviors evolved because they serve some sort of purpose, Purpose, using it in the wrong time and therefore it mightn't have the right result. But something like anger has evolved because it serves a purpose. If you use it at the wrong point in time against the wrong person or in the wrong way, maybe that's wrong. But anger itself isn't bad.
1: Yeah. You know, it yeah. It serves a
0: purpose.
1: No, I totally agree. And and uh, so we've, Sorry, we've uh, on. but on an evolutionary perspective, it's really worth reminding ourselves that we are actually living in a microbial world. Yeah. Uh, microbes were here long before humans. And so, you know, we, the, the powerhouses of ourselves, the, 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 the organelle in our cells that that, that you know, gives us all energy is called the mitochondria. Well, the mitochondria is just a microbe that got lost. It was actually a bacteria that got lost into the cell. And, and, and so we've evolved. And, and, and like it's people, the powerhouse,
0: it's the yeah, generator. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. It's a microbe. Originally. Wow. You know, so a single cell organelle. Um, but anyway, um, and so there's never been a time where the brain has existed uh, across evolution without microbial signals. And so that's one of the things that we've been really interested in, is trying to understand the basis of this um, and that we are a a, a combination of both our genes from our uh, human genes, but also our microbial genes. And if you looked at it, uh, we are more than 99 percent microbial in terms of genes.
0: Yeah. All of the money,
1: all of the money that medicine has spent on the human genome project is for one percent of our genes. We have more microbial cells than we do human cells. And There's so, a call
0: for more investment in in into research yeah, yeah. on microbial.
1: Genes. Well, well, it's it's just it's, it's, you know for me it's it's really important and so in um, in a in a, in a study a paper some years ago together with uh, a zoologist colleague here John Quinn and and uh, an evolution um, microbiologist uh, in the US we I because one of the things that we found going back to these germ-free mice one of the things we kept finding was the social brain was very sensitive to these mi- disturbances in the microbiome. So if you, okay. so, 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 so that was really remarkable to me was that if, if, you, um, if you, you know, to grow up without microbes and you're a mouse, you don't have normal social interactions. So when we started looking across the animal kingdom, whether it was bumblebees in a hive, or um, baboons in the wild, there's a a growing evidence that if you start to change social structures, uh, that you change the microbiome. And that if you change the microbiome, by whatever means, by diet or other other means, you change social structures. So just think over the last three years of lockdowns where we've changed the microbiome yeah. by being very hygienic and really changed you know how we respond to things and we changed social structure yeah but by, by you know lockdowns what have we done to this gut brain signaling
0: but I, I, also what's fascinating in that regard as well is if you go back to and i won't try and say her name the brazilian neuroscientist who actually counted how many neurons we have in the brain by making brain suits susanna
1: yeah.
0: anyway she is a brazilian name but um Her whole argument is um, that, you know, fire, cooking food is what accelerated human evolution uh, uh, because it allowed us time to be more social, Mm -hmm. you know, and the time that, you know, an ape, uh, you know, has to spend munching food 10 hours a day fire freed up and released energy that we could consume in minutes that we that we say saved all these hours having to masticate chew food we now could spend time talking to each other learn you know learning language showing each other how to do things so the social brain developed our neocortex developed all because of food and then obviously our gut biome changed because we're eating cooked food
1: absolutely
0: fascinating
1: and it's all connected, and that's the thing, you know, It's all connected, and so it, it's really understanding that 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 piece uh, is really important for 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 framing, because people say to me, "God, John, are you why are you if you're really interested in neurobiology of emotions, why are you so fixated on the gut?" But oh, no, like, I think that's fascinating. Uh, but it is really, you know, <laughs> that, that it's not just phrases like you know the gut feelings and the gutsy moves and the gutters for disappointment, but actually there is an an underlying biology to this.
0: Oh no, of course there is. And I talk about the gut feeling because a lot of people trust their gut feeling over, Mm. you know, but sometimes that gut feeling isn't accurate. Sometimes your gut feeling is actually unconscious messages that you're not reading consciously, but sometimes it's also, you know, it's, it, it's an error. Do, do you know what I mean? And your rational brain needs to, to kick in. It, it's just, we need to kind of play around with it. Just going back to the, what you said there in terms of the social brain and the microbiome, it, 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 it's kind of fascinating. So you're also interested in neurodevelopmental disorders, I'm kind yeah. of jumping around a bit. Um, and then we also spoke about the bacteria and in, um, you know, that that happening in the birth canal Um, and, you know, say in terms of something like autism um, and not understanding fully, uh, you know, the etiology of, of autism, but I know certainly, that, well, the little bit that I know of it, you know, that it's, you know, there's partly some of it is something that happens in utero. Um, and, 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 you know, have you done anything? Is there any relationship yeah, no, around that given the so, you know, that social, yeah, no, specific no, 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 no. social issue? Yeah.
1: No, no, for sure. And, uh, and, and when we started, you know, discovering this social brain deficit uh, uh, in, in these, um Experiments, You know, it did bring us into the world of, of, of autism, which is very complex. I mean, I should start off by saying that autism is predominantly or has a very strong genetic uh, basis. Yeah. But, but that all, all I'm saying in that is that there are genes involved and there. You know, there's a lot of work now trying to understand what these genes are, but not everyone who has the genes have the same manifestation because autism is very Heterogeneous, and and the incidence has increased dramatically in terms of detection and and everything. So so the question. And I think is, a
0: lot of people don't understand necessarily. I, I mean, there's there's. I think there still persists a misconception that if. Something is genetic; it's fixed. Yeah. But genes switch on and off, and environment switches genes on and off, and and you know factors, and you know like upbringing, and and you know uh, so many factors can switch genes on and off. So genetic doesn't mean, you know, definitely inherited.
1: Absolutely, you know, it's uh, yeah. Not I,
0: fixed I, in stone.
1: No, 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 not at all. But 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 there is but there is also. A strong uh, link. So, so there's accumulating data uh, out there showing that in, um, especially children with autism, that they have a different microbiome. I think that's more or less uh, we, you know. Uh, but the question is, is the chicken and egg? question is what's driving what children with autism are also picky eaters that's what so, i was going to say so, to you so, only so, eating
0: so, white food or, or eating certain yeah, things? Yeah. things
1: so so that makes it difficult to disentangle uh overall there's been some recent um, meta-analysis type approaches where people are looking at large-scale studies and complex bio statistics to really disentangle what's causative and what's correlational and all of that and it seems to be something quite you know quite remarkable in our lab we've been doing some animal studies where we're showing that you know single strains of bacteria can have beneficial effects on uh, some of the core symptoms of autism so they can promote sociability they okay. can reduce repetitive behavior and they can make communication better so I, I'm very you know excited about some of the potential that we have in doing that but i'm also aware that you know we we do live in a very um world where we need to accept neurodiversity and really be aware of that and that we're not trying to fix things we just want to make people a, a, have uh, um, uh, adjunctive um, treatments that may make their quality of life uh better uh, overall and 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 i think you know but it goes back to the the social brain is also relevant to other disorders like social anxiety disorder. Uh, These are people who probably benefited from lockdowns and COVID where there was no expectation to leave the house. Um, Overall, we've been studying their microbiome uh finding it's quite different and we're also you know showing that that can be um causally relevant to some of the social behavior and then the social deficits in other uh, neurodevelopmental like schizophrenia has a social component there's also social elements you brought it up already about how we eat and the you know the the, the, the interactions between the hormones that are involved in, in in instigating eating and eating behavior and the rewarding aspects of eating could also be put in a social context we all prefer oh absolutely
0: yeah eating yeah i've done research on that you know where we looked at um uh, you know, eating in later life, um, and and actually malnourishment, and and yeah. you know the social aspect of it is absolutely critical because it's a lot of older people, you know, um, who've been widowed, or uh, um, their social circle is is limiting, and then they don't bother eating. Yeah. But also yeah. that you, you, you know, but it's the social aspect encourages uh, us to uh, eat
1: Absolutely. More. So that's what we would hope to develop some form of solutions through our microbiome that would enhance sociability across many different you know types of uh, of disorders or types of behaviors and and try and provoke people to be more social yeah, uh, there's, also
0: there's two things i want to kind of pick up on that that interests me um the whole neuro- neurodiversity thing i you know i i you know i think you know everything works i think because medicine has so long been been you know Sort of tick box you know you're depressed you're, or you're anxious or you're rather than all of these things run on a continuum yeah. and um so does our, our our neurological capacity and you know we experience we're diverse across many aspects of our, our our cognitive capacities and i'm totally with this sort of you know the movement of you know accepting neurodiversity and the positivities associated with that i do a lot of corporate wellness talks and thankfully a lot of employers are asked me to talk about the benefits of having neurodiverse Mm. members on the team and and how it can you know you know brainstorming can you know produce you know more creative responses etc but also then I, i i do have a you just mentioned it there, you were being cautious about saying, you know, oh, there's possible, you know, there's potential in looking at the microbiome in terms of, you know, encouraging, you know, and you you sort of preempted and said, I'm not talking about having to fix someone, you know, because there's a, yeah. there's a lot in this movement that says we don't want to be fixed. However, sort of having... So, so, so my own son would have um, have dyslexia and would have had certain issues around. He would have terrible trouble uh, um, as a child, and I, I suppose some of it persists in uh, distinguishing facial expressions Mm. um, and also as a consequence and I think a lot of kids with any of those kind of learning uh, uh, challenges um, uh, they naturally are anxious because the world is Mm. is is very hard for them to understand because they don't they can't read those social signals they can't read a lot of them and it's very challenging Uh, and I mean he studied biochemistry and immunology and then he went on and studied medicine and very proud of him doing all that with all those challenges. But I know for sure he would have taken a fix rather than having to, to do all those things, you know, with all those challenges. Do, do you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think there's plenty out there who, who would rather, you know, have have less of the diversity and more of that. I'd rather a little bit more, uh, you know, seeing things as other people Sure. Uh, and, 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 so I think he can do both. I think he could offer solutions for those who would like and,
1: and to that's experience what, but, it in a but, different but, way. But all that is is just diversity of, of, of approaches in itself. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? So yeah. So I think that's where we need to be we we, we need to be aware. I mean, the, the, the going back to one of your initial points, I mean, the main thing to say is that things are not fixed and that the brain is plastic and the brain is is amenable to signals from the guts that could actually help to rewire some of these core circuits that are underpinning these social responses. And I think that's what what, 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 is all all I'm saying. And and one of the key things in neuroscience now is about understanding these circuits and trying to understand, well, okay, signal comes in from the gut, it goes in here into the brainstem, then it goes into uh, regions that we know like the amygdala, which is involved in fear and social behavior. And then if we can try and disentangle these, then we can actually kind of hopefully um, rewire them in different ways
0: So tell me how the gut can influence whether we feel depressed.
1: Mm. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. And, and, uh, and like many things, we still don't, don't, we don't have a full answer, but, but uh, we do know that the microbiome is different in people who are depressed. We also should say that we do know that, that, that the drugs that we use to treat depression also changes the microbiome. Uh, and maybe some of the side effects may be due to that as well. But in depression, probably one of the best studies was a large-scale study out of, out of the out of Belgium some years ago where they showed that there was a, a lack of specific bacteria that produced key chemicals involved in. Um, tryptophan metabolism and in production of these short-chain fatty acids. So, and and well, that, that was a, like over a thousand people and they looked at it and they were able to, to, to pin that down. Um, more recently studies have, have shown from Australia and from London and we also did, it was one of our lockdown projects where you just look at the entire literature that's out there and see okay. Can you come up with something that would say in all of these depression studies, are there any trends? And again, it seems that there seems to be a lack of bacteria that produce short chain fatty acids in particular. And so we've shown that when even when we take these microbes from humans and we put them into animals we could actually the animals started to develop some of the core symptoms of depression they didn't have pleasure in normal things that they would uh, uh, and they uh, developed a kind of an inflammatory phenotype so it's helping us think that this might be something causal there Um, then in tandem, what colleagues in Australia have shown that a diet that's very good for your microbiome, this is a, a Mediterranean style diet, yeah. which is good, good for many things. Uh, this was called the SMILES trial. Um, and they showed that, that this trial, uh, when they gave it to uh, people on top of their antidepressants and on top of their psychotherapy, so it wasn't on its own, but that it, it, the people got very well. Okay. And and so they so didn't better have better to...
0: than if they were just taking their psychotherapy exactly. therapy exactly. and their, their medication. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: So is that and, and and so the the particular you know microbiome that you said was lacking That would be known to come from a Mediterranean diet. Well,
1: yeah, we would hope so. All of these dots haven't been joined up, and you know. Right. Okay, but that's what you would then
0: hope to. to, That should be the hypothesis.
1: I mean, the good old
0: Mediterranean diet. It just it 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 just comes everywhere. I mean, you know, it's the best for brain health. It's the best for dealing with. But
1: I think if we called it if we called it the brain health diet, it would it would people people find Mediterranean is is exotic. And, but you know,
0: it's not, uh, it's the, yeah, yeah, I mean, to me, it's if you, if you think back, probably it's the diet that allowed our brain to expand and evolve into the wonderful brain that it became yeah. because it's it's raw fruit, fruit and vegetables and, yeah. and food as close to its natural sources as possibly can be and oily fish. So yeah. fish that you, you can and then olive oil. That's it. And it actually is the simplest diet yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. to eat and to cook with. Um, I know now myself, I kind of have struggled since uh, sort of I got COVID the last time, but one, Um, and I'm gone full on back now on the Mediterranean diet again, you know, I mean, we all slip on and off, you and I know all the things we should be doing, but (laughs) we're human first, that's what I always say to me, hey, I'm a human being first, and actually that brings me nicely to something like that, so cravings, What, what happens when we crave stuff? What has the yeah.
1: microbiome got to do? Well, with that? you know, I, I, it's again some of the some of the studies have come from animals. Worst off, even studies in fruit flies have shown that if you change the microbiome of fruit flies, they crave completely different uh, foods. So, they usually like a protein-rich diet, and then when the microbiome was changed, they they, they no longer had this preference for protein. And so, again, the data is only emerging, but you know, maybe some of the uh, reward pathways in the brain are also sensitive to the microbiome like you know we showed that we could attenuate how uh, animals respond to cocaine based on on their uh, their microbiome levels in their gut so right. again again you know that's a really extreme uh, circumstance. But what food cravings are, are, are is ba- basically the wanting aspects you know, the, uh, 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 of our brain looking for rewarding processes. And so we would, we, 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 there's a lot of accumulating data to say that the dopamine pathways in the brain that are underpinning that and the cognitive control of that, which is the impulsive aspects, yeah. are also sensitive to microbial signals.
0: So then that brings me kind of around. So obviously, you know, the dopamine pathway, the reward pathways, the pleasure pathway, they're all linked to motivation to engage in an activity again. And when you're talking about something that uh, involves alcohol or other drugs, you can then ultimately end up with an, an, an addiction or, you know, substance use, misuse yeah. disorder or use disorder or whatever. So then if you take that down to a teenage brain where the frontal lobes are not yet formed, so there's minimal capacity for overriding those, yeah. you know, more immediate urges. On top of that, the teenage brain, the emotional brain in a teenage brain, that um, the, the Dop- d- the d- dopamine, the reward pathways in a, in a teenage brain are heightened. They're actually primed to seek novelty and reward and pleasure, which makes sense because, you know, they're training to be adults. So they need as much novelty and experience so that they can learn about The world, Um, which is why I say they need parents to be their frontal lobes rather than to be just (laughs) left run away with it. They actually need adults to be their frontal lobes, but it makes them particularly vulnerable to alcohol and others. So could their diet help in some way? Well, it's it's
1: a great question. We've just done a study on alcohol binge drinking um, in in a young population and looked at the microbiome and it was quite different. And we were able to link it to some inhibitory control mechanisms that seem to be gone wrong uh, overall. And so I was encouraged. Was that in
0: adults or in? Teens?
1: Uh, it, it was it was uh, post teen, but we would so so young or,
0: adults still young so adults, under twenty five, so still under
1: twenty five, so, 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 so still, still got,
0: developing frontal lobes.
1: Absolutely, and so so uh, for ethical reasons, we had to we wanted to, to focus on on over eighteen uh, in this study, yes. but uh, but they were young, and um, and we're very interested in this extended adolescent period anyway, because yeah, because technically it is, that
0: is adolescence. Up till 25 from a, a pure yeah, developmental, developmental. Although, try and tell a 24 year old or an
1: but 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 we did find that there seemed to be a link towards when we did some behavioural tasks linked to inhibition that we could correlate the changes in the microbiome with, with, with that, and so I suggested you know we at the time I remember suggesting to my the researcher and my team and she's now uh, got moved to Belgium and she's a really talented psychologist and, and I said well could we come up with a, a what I call a prebiotic or a diet that yeah. you could that you could you know. Uh, probably uh prevent some of the damaging effects of of alcohol on the microbiome that yeah. would then feed onto the inhibition and and so you know and 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 it's something now that she's exploring uh because it, it could now yeah it's difficult it's difficult because the messaging would need to be inter- interesting because you can't say you know, take this diet and go out and binge drink. No, you know, no, 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 no. You know, no, yeah. But, but if they're going to go and binge drink anyway, maybe it may have a less effect.
0: Yeah, brain, yeah, it's interesting. Brain. It's but, interesting. But, 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 but
1: again, everything is connected to now, and I guess that's where we're, you know, that's where we're we we're, we're, we're going. That's where we're at. And, yeah.
0: Exactly. And, and people
1: are people have also studied the social aspects of drinking and the microbiome and driving the social behavior as well. So that's all connected yeah, back to it, where it, we started It's fascinating.
0: From. And then immune related disorders is something that kind of um it it, it it interests me, you know, because so many autoimmune disorders have sure. brain fog as a as a symptom, you know the impact on cognitive functioning. Possibly, and I think this is related to long COVID also. Possibly because then you know there's related to inflammation, and the inflammation may impact uh, on the brain cell communication either through damage or just you know cell death, even, but are yeah. just interfering with the communication. No, so,
1: absolutely. We used to think the brain was immune privileged, but we now know that th- that the immune system is really important regulator of brain function, and w- what regulates our immune system. It's our microbiome. Yes. Our microbiome is, especially in the gut microbiome, is one of the greatest regulators we have of our immune system and therefore is implicated in everything that the immune system plays a role in. And where the collateral effects can be when, when the immune system is under attack and it starts to to mount a response, it can have these collateral effects on brain function that can lead to uh, cognitive changes and neuroinflammation. Um, And depending on where that happens across the lifespan, whether it's in early life or in aging, it can have really pernicious effects. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And can the microbiome help protect against or can it play a role in when the immune response goes out of whack and becomes a, an autoimmune response. Yeah,
1: well, in, in in a lot of studies working on on autoimmunity, in both in the context of uh, inflammatory bowel diseases, uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, and various arthritic conditions, you know, Rheumatoid overall Yeah, there. yeah. So what we've been more interested in is is looking at um, so, for example, in in. Middle age is a time window that I'm quite interested in, as you can imagine, uh, and it, and in the middle age brain, there's already inflammation starting to happen in the brain. So neuroinflammation is already occur- occurring. And we showed a couple of years ago in an animal study that when we treated the uh, animals with a what we call a prebiotic. So it's um, um, uh, in this case, it was inulin. Now, inulin is found in many vegetables like leeks and chicory and artichokes uh, but we fed it in pure form to, to to animals and we were able to completely slow down um the uh, the, the inflammation in the brain uh overall so like you, you know it was a really great result because it meant that okay the microbiome you can target the microbiome okay. to slow to slow down inflammation uh, in the brain and it means that for your listeners, if they're thinking of having a midlife crisis, maybe they should forget about the motorbikes and turn, yeah. to, the le- turn to the leaks instead.
0: Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> I'm interested. So tell me, and, and, and we're running out of time. So yeah, sure. tell me, prebiotics, probiotics, psychobiotics. Yeah. Um, Because I'm interested also, just even personally myself, you know, in reducing in inflammation in my body and also histamine. For me, I have an overactive histamine response do you, do you know what I mean I mean yep. like I constantly get what you call that and um, allergy not yeah not even just allergy but con- uh, particularly actually COVID again this mad itch all the time um, oh, and yeah. I also would have other you know rhinitis and you know all things that are you know overactive histamines so t- taking antihistamines but antihistamines they impact on your cognitive functioning or can you know they operate on your cns so again so, i'm interested in a diet that can help balance out you know help well, control inflammation and yeah so so, and those. So, he, so i've asked so, you two questions there sort of pre-pro sure, sure. and psychobiotics and then okay
1: pre-pro yeah. yeah so 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 um probiotics are live uh live microorganisms taken in adequate amounts that confer a health benefits so the last part is a bit of the is is the sting in the tail because that confer a health benefit. To prove that something confers a health benefit, you have to have done clinical trials or human trials of some sort. And a lot of what's called probiotics on the market have never been through any form of trials whatsoever. Right. So so so, but a probiotics are single strains of live bacteria. Prebiotics are basically dietary substances that are really important uh, in promoting the beneficial endogenous bacteria that we have uh, overall. So it's
0: just, uh, it's food. food.
1: Extreme... It, yeah, but you can get it and you, know, you can buy it as a raw material because, you it know. Hasn't it hasn't
0: been it, processed yet.
1: But, but well, like, yeah, exactly. So you can.
0: You Go can and buy a leak.
1: B- a leak. Fibre, uh, really good uh, overall. Vegetables are really good for this, you know, uh, in, in relation to it. Um, and so, so the diet, we, 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 we just uh, have a study coming out, um, which is really exciting for me because it's basically, we took a group of, because uh, it, I wanted to test my hypothesis. So everything that I was doing was leading up to that. We should be able to get a diet and I call it a psychobiotic diet. So it's a diet that's good for your mental health through your bacteria. So really ramping up fiber intake in in the diet, really ramping up um, fermented foods in the diet. These are your yogurts, your kefirs, kombuchas, your kimchi, miso, like sauerkrauts all of these things that are really And will good. you
0: tell me also what you would list as fiber, healthy fiber? Well, would like, it like, be from I, vegetables or?
1: A lot of it is from vegetables, uh, but also certain grains uh, as well. You know, well, Would you go
0: for the, the grains before they're processed and or would you say buy whole grain bread or do, do you know what I mean? Because I think there's a lot of confusion out there in terms of getting yeah. fiber in your diet.
1: Well, there's different types of fibers and resistant and non-resistant starches and ones that have different functions overall. But, and there's also a lot of people who can't tolerate fiber. Yeah. Like if you if you have inflammatory bowel disease, you'll, you'll, you know, so it's about getting the sweet spot of tolerability uh, overall. And so people who are on, let's say, um, uh, certain diets for IBS they don't tolerate fibers very well some of them so like you know it's it, it's really about, but, but for this study we just said ramp up your fiber you know okay. as much to to what you can find comfortable and what you can, what tolerate. You can yeah. tolerate and we did it for one month so we took people who were stress sensitive and had low fiber in their diet already our student population were a great resource yeah yeah that. yeah uh, and in one month hot
0: noodles don't tend to be a healthy diet no.
1: <laughs> But in one month, four weeks, we were able, it's a study of 45 people, we were able to completely change their stress response and and their sleep quality improved. Their depression scores were better, Uh, like across the board, uh, their overall health and well-being. Now, the ironic thing is when we looked at the microbiome, it didn't change that much. So what we did was we actually fed the microbiome rather than change it. So by just feeding it with the fibres and the fermented foods and everything else that we were giving it, it was able to 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 have this really important uh, effect. And, so it's and- the
0: fermented foods is what's. More new to me because we all have heard about the high fiber and the yeah. Mediterranean diet, but a Mediterranean diet by definition wouldn't really have fermented foods.
1: Well, it depends what parts of it, like you're in, it depends if you're in parts of, of Greece or, you know, okay. so places that would have a culture. We just don't have a culture in Ireland really of fermented, of foods. fermented foods. And really, fermented foods are, are you know, people often think they're, that they're for middle class people do going to, uh, um, you know, expensive food stores no like the great thing about fermented foods is you can make them yourself at home and they they cost very little like i take uh, kefir which is a milk kefir which is cost the, the 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 all it costs is the milk that you use in it and it's a great fermented food I, I you know it's really you can I can tell when I haven't taken it it's really good you know you feel good at taking it every day and, and it's just basically a, a clump of bacteria and and it grows it's a, and you, you basically put your milk into it and it ferments the milk and overnight and you have it the next day and it's great okay and, and, and it tastes and, good it's a bit sour, so I I tend to have it with uh with uh, uh Would other you put yogur- in
0: it or something.
1: Because people do people put fruits. Some people put um uh, I put yogurt in. I, I okay. like flavored yogurt just to take away the, the thingy flavored. If you like, you know, if you like that that that, that um, kind of. Uh, sour taste and you know if you like that some people like it I don't particularly yeah yeah. I can't imagine I would so but I leave it in the fridge overnight and then I have it in that way so It's, it's, uh, it's
0: fascinating because I have to say you know um like I always feel if ever I'm uh, and now I have to say, you know, as I've got older, you know, in terms of managing mental health and things like IBS and all those, I'm much, much better at managing my stress levels. And, and I do think that's one of the benefits of getting older. You know, you do become wiser. And I think what people need to kind of understand is that becoming yourself is a process. Do you know You know what I mean? Like when you're young, you're just learning. And, and you as you get older, you do learn how to manage stress and, and, and things. And, and you learn and, what things put you off. Yeah, sorry, go on.
1: But maybe becoming yourself is also realizing that you have to also become your microbial self. No, exactly. (laughs) You know what
0: foods you can eat and what you can't. For example, I love porridge. I think porridge is really healthy. My husband starts the day with porridge. I love it. I love the taste of it, but I cannot eat it. My stomach just absolutely bloats and hurts me. Do Do you know what I mean? But I know other foods and I know there's other foods that I eat will, you know, upset me. But I also know that when I experience... Uh, Feeling down, anxiety, you know, those unpleasant, you know, what we call less than mental health. I'm not talking because I I think we talk about when we talk about mental health, we're really talking about the avoidance of depression and anxiety. We're not talking into that psychiatric disorders. I'd love to get into the place where we're talking about when people are empowered and knowledgeable to have their most optimal mental health. But I always uh, feel those things in my gut. That's yeah. where I feel them. I get a funny and feeling in my gut.
1: And we it's talked earlier, Sabina, about, about genes and genetics. Uh, and with your genes, you know, there isn't an awful lot you can do except blame your parents and your grandparents. Whereas with your microbes, there you have potential to change them and modify yeah. them. Yeah. And,
0: and, that gives, you,
1: and that gives people agency. It gives people agency I think over that's their own so- health.
0: I think that's what's important you know my father had you know bipolar disorder my mother had issues also and but that gave me I think that gives you power in a sense because it makes it has always made me super aware that I have to manage those things and if I feel a niggling in my tummy I go okay what's going on in my life what do I need to address before it it takes shape it also meant that when I noticed as a child that my son was anxious well we need to figure out how to give him tools yeah something that say my father never had and that you do you know so I think those things knowing that there's some sort of genetic tendency can also be very empowering because there are so many other things that you can do and a genetic tendency is only a tiny piece of the puzzle because environment and lifestyle play such a big factor um, Absolutely. Also. So I, I'm going to have to let you go because you've yes. been so kind with your time. Uh, before we end, um, I like to end every episode with asking my guests for their favorite tip for surviving and thriving and or thriving uh, in life.
1: Well, so if it's to do with my science, I would say, you know, really try uh, and and increase the levels of fiber and fermented foods in your diet. But my main... Uh, if it's uh, to do it
0: yourself, yeah. My,
1: well, you know, don't, like I, I, do, do, as a stressed neurobiologist, the thing that I see people most stressed about is being perfectionistic and trying to do too much. Uh, uh, too well and um, people often ask me how do I do everything you know uh, I'm now vice president for research and innovation in the university and I have a large research group of over 40 people and uh, you know and and you know uh, I have a family life with wonderful kids and 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 my wife you know so it's it's managing all of that is 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 perhaps not being too perfectionistic Uh, it's one of the advices I give to my my younger colleagues is is you know you know, just keep trying as much as you can and be resilient and not afraid of failure, not afraid to, to, to you know, that's the other part of the, that I find is people are afraid and don't celebrate failing.
0: Yeah. John, it has been absolutely fascinating to talk to you. I'm sure I'll have you on again if you ever have the time in the future. I hope that you found this episode as fascinating and indeed as useful as I did. Since recording the episode, I've been Upping my roughage intake by eating more fruit and veg. And I've also added fermented foods to my diet. Now, I'll be honest, um, and I'll say that some of them just don't appeal to me. But I've had a little try here and there. And I found kefir? Kefir? Um I found those yogurts actually very, very palatable, very nice to be honest. Um, and yogurts anyway, I, I mean I actually wouldn't be a huge fan, but I these I found very palatable. Um, and I can take some of the kombuchas it it, it depends on the flavor. Um, I take them in smaller doses. Um, I would tend towards a Mediterranean diet anyway, because it's the best sort of diet for brain health. Um, but I'm human and you know, every now and then the processed foods. Um, slip back in uh, and you get a bit lazy the white processed foods come in you're tired and you'll throw on a you know a pot of pasta that takes like two minutes to cook and you'll slop some butter on it and some chilies on top and you know there you go you have a satisfying meal and there's no fruit veg on it and it's white flour and 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 you know uh, it's easy to fall back into that but and um, after talking to John I kind of decided I'm Kind of pushing those out again and actually that combined with the upping the roughage intake with the fruit and veg and the fermented foods i have to say um i have noticed uh, that my head feels a lot clearer um i think i'm sleeping a little bit better um and let's just say that uh, my bowels have been performing in a very healthy way my name is Sabina Brennan, and you have been listening to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain.
1: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit
0: much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why UnitedHealthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.